0: and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. You know, so you just heard from Second Timothy uh, chapter four verses six through nine through eight. And this, this part has always just caught me and just made me just want to go in awe. like here's Paul who used to violently attack the church, radically get saved no longer is attacking the church for the name of Jesus, but now is about to die for the very name that he tried to destroy and the very church he tried to destroy. Like He's about to die. He's about to have his head severed from his body. And he's able to say these words in verse 7. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. You know, and I was... As I was praying and what the Lord wanted me to speak on and, and just think about how it's 2020 and not just 2020, but like we're now in a new decade. Like how many of us can look back on 2019? How many of us can look back at the last decade or, you know, even decades for some of us? Uh, look back and be like Paul and go, man, I, I have been running my race. I have been fighting the fight. I have kept the faith. Like, how many of us can honestly say that? Like we can look back and go, no regrets. I haven't been wasting it. Doesn't mean it hasn't been hard. Like Pastor Jonathan said, doesn't mean there wasn't trials and sufferings and bumps and bruises on the way. But can we look back and go, no regret? I mean, think about that. Paul. Here's Paul, about to die, and he looks back and goes, man, I have not wasted. I have made the most. Jesus, I gladly lay my head down. Here I come. Like how many of us will be able to say that? I mean, you heard Jonathan say that, you know, when it's the new year, Not. I'm not trying to be anti, you know, resolution for those of you who are like, man, I, I got my 34, like he said, or 40 or 50 or whatever it is that I'm going to do this new year and you're already kicking yourself. You're like, dang it, I'm on day five and I've done nothing so far. You know, you're like, I'm going to work out. And you're like, well, it's still the holidays. Why am I going to work out? I'm just going to keep eating, you know. And so what I wanted to give us was was four things that are not unrealistic. Actually, five that are not unrealistic. Five things that we need to do, not because we need a checklist. But so that like Paul, we can look back and go, man, I ran my race. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. Cause I'm telling you, man, I'm about to meet with a brother this week. I was telling uh y'all's Pastor Jonathan yesterday, like, went to school with me, and he's lost the faith. He has not kept it. And, and, and my heart burns that if he was to die. Like it, it's it's that terrified for him. Praying that he comes back to the word and to his senses. And so five things I want to leave with us this morning. Number one is be a student of God's Word. Can I get an amen? Look at someone and say, be a student of God's Word. Now look at someone else and say, read your Bible. I know some of you have been been waiting to say that to my spouse or to my kid. Thank you for letting me do that. But family, there's nothing better we can do for 2020 or this new decade than to read the Bible. Can I get an amen? Turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 1. And look what it says right here in Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says Psalms chapter 1 verse 1 It says blessed is the man. Everyone say blessed. blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Who wants to be blessed? Come on throw those hands up. Let me like ain't nobody running around for suffering. I know I'm not. All right, we want blessings. And look what the Bible says. You want to be blessed? You got to read the Bible. You got to read the Word. What God calls blessed is not what America calls blessed. Amen? Amen. Bless is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law. That's the Word of God. But it's in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that He does, He prospers. You want to have a new year? You want to have a new decade? Learn to read your Bible. We need to hunger for the Word of God. Amen? Amen. D.L. Moody says this, I never saw a fruit-bearing Christian who was not a student of the Bible. You want to be a Christian who bears fruit? Read your Bible. He also says, So few grow because so few study. Why do we see many Christians never reach their potentials? Because they don't read their Bibles. We want the preacher on Sunday to read it or the preacher on the podcast to read it and nothing against that stuff. But the greatest thing you could do this new year and this new decade is to open up the Bible and begin to read it. Amen? I was in Cuba and, and it's incredible. Like Cuba, the, the Bible's like, we have to, I have to sneak them in to get into that country. And the good thing is they have phones now, iPhones, and so it's like, uh, the government's not up to date that it's easy to, to download the Bible. and uh, But here I'm at this church that we help plant. And like only 20 people can fit in this house. And before I'm done preaching from the Bible, I look out the door and there's just people standing on the streets. And, and I remember asking the pastor what's going on. And he goes, we're hungry for the Word of God. Most of us don't have a Bible. So, when we hear that someone who knows the Bible is coming to preach it, we run and we flock. We line up like it's a movie coming out to hear the Word, to know the Word. Why does the American church struggle? Because we don't read our Bibles. Why are we not students? uh, We're not students of His Word. We don't hunger for His Word. I mean, family, think about it. We'll check our phones. We'll check social media, how many likes I got on Facebook. How many loves did I get on tweets. And we'll check our sports team scores before. We'll open up His Word. The very thing that has life. The very thing that can save your marriage, save your children. How are we to know the voice of God if we don't read His Word? Don't think you can know His voice if you haven't read the Bible. I'll never forget being in college and there's this couple I had not seen in a while and I was like, hey, how are y'all doing? They're like, we're doing great. And if you know me, I just man, I just go right to the topic of how are you doing with Jesus? I don't beat around the bush. And I just said, hey, how are y'all doing with Jesus? Oh, we're doing great. And I was like, really? I said, have y'all been reading the Bible lately? Oh man, it's been a while since we've read the Bible. And all of a sudden they said, shh. And I was like, what are we shh to? And they're like, Can you hear? Hear what? They're like, Billy, God's speaking. I was like, oh, I know. He's saying, have you get in his word and read it? And they just looked at me, oh, you're just not there yet. I remember they walked away. And I remember one of my my friends, Sammy, who just planted a church in Houston, he was like, what just happened? I was like, brother, that's what happens when you don't read the Bible. You get loco. You get weird. (laughs) And how are we to know the preacher is teaching the truth? You know, there are preachers who don't preach the truth. They preach their opinions. I remember when I first met my wife, she was a baby Christian. And she was taking me to this church. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, babe, the guy has not once opened up the Bible from the pulpits. She's like, what are you, so what's going on? You can't come back here again. <laughs> and she didn't. That's what I told her. She's like, maybe they'll do it again next, maybe they'll open up next Sunday. Hey, you know what? They don't open up one Sunday. <laughs> we gone. How are we to refute bad doctrine and not be fooled if we ourselves don't know the Word of God? And family, if we don't read and apply the Word of God to our life, I'll tell you right now, you've wasted already 2020. You've wasted already this new decade. I don't care what goals you have. If The first thing is not, I'm going to get in the Bible and read it. It's already been wasted. How many of you here Have read the entire Bible. You don't have to raise your hands. Don't want to call people out like that. But just ask yourself, have you read the entire Bible? And if not, why? And will you change that this new year? I think about my grandma. She's somebody most people will never know. She's actually in the hospital. You can be praying for her. She doesn't have much longer. She's about to be 90. And man, when I look at her Bible, it always convicts me. Like she has read her Bible over and over and over. I mean, every highlighter you could ever imagine possibly created has been highlighted through her Bible. Pages almost falling out of every book of the Bible. Like she has worn that Bible out. Can the same be said about us? Imagine what our life, our family, our marriages, our churches, the community and this nation will look like if Christians were truly reading their Bible and applying it to their life daily. If you truly want to be a history maker, you truly want to make a difference this new year, this new decade, you truly want to be a rebel and not regret 2020, then read your Bible. Amen? Look at someone and say, read your Bible. Number two. Number two is be on your knees Often, Amen. In other words, pray. Look at someone and say, "Pray." pray. And family, when I say pray, I'm not. I, I know many of us go, "Man, yeah, I pray." But, you know, before I eat, you know, uh, you know, before I go into that job interview, that's great. I'm talking about like praying. The the Apostle James, who was martyred in the Book of Acts, that Apostle James, tradition says that his knees were callous because how often. He was on them praying. Matter of fact, when you read the book of Acts, it's incredible how often they are in prayer. Not no five minute prayer. They're they're just praying. Like Many of them are facing persecution. They're facing heavy stuff that we can't even imagine here in America. And they're praying. And they would see God move in ways that we long for. D.L. Moody says this, He who kneels the most stands the best. See why was Paul able to look back on his life and say he hadn't wasted it? Did he had ran his race? Did he fought the fight? Did he kept the faith? Not only was he a student of the word, but he prayed family. Every great move of God that came about, the great awakenings, the Jesus movement, any revival, it came from people on their knees praying. Second best thing we can do this new year, along with reading the Bible, is getting on our knees and praying. Amen. You want to see God's power in your life? Who wants to see God's power? In you? Who wants to see God's power in this church? Then we got to pray. I loved it that we took like five minutes to pray. I think about this sweet couple who started coming to our church about a year and a half ago, Donald and that sweet couple. And I remember they would come up to to the altar at the end of the service, and, and 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 almost every Sunday they would just weep, and I would find myself weeping with them, praying for their son-in-law and their daughter to come to Jesus. And about two months ago, Donald called me, and goes, "Pastor, you won't believe it." And I mean, I knew it because I mean, we've been praying like every Sunday for a year and a half, and I was like. Which one got saved? That's right. We've been praying a long time, haven't we? Yeah, brother. You know, he was so excited. And then his daughter came to church that next Sunday. And guess what? Gave her life to Jesus. And then two weeks later, baptized them. But you know why? Because mom and dad spent many years on their knees, in tears, praying, crying out, God, save my children. And He did, amen? We serve a mighty God. We serve a faithful God, amen? And so family, you want to see your marriage saved? Get on your knees. You want to see people saved? Get on your knees. You want to see God move mountains? Get on your knees. You want to see your community transformed? Get on your knees. You need a miracle? Get on your knees. You want to draw closer to God? Then get on your knees, amen? We need to learn to do this every morning when we get out of bed. And just get on our knees. We need to do this every night. Not in bed, but next to the bed. On our knees, because you know, if you're like me, you're going to pass out as soon as you hit that pillow. Like My wife learned in the early stages of marriage, I cannot talk to this brother when we in bed, because I pass out. I do. My head hits the pillow, and my body says, clock out. And I do. She learned to talk to me outside of the bed. we got to do the same with the Lord, Amen. Because you'll be praying and saying, Jesus, what happened? <laughs> you fell asleep on me. Like, but we want to get on our knees. I know it's uncomfortable. Some of you are going, I don't want callous knees like James. I don't know if I do either. But we want to learn to be on our knees, amen? And praying and being uncomfortable. It's good to get uncomfortable for Jesus. Imagine what our lives would look like if the first thing we did was get on our knees with our spouse, our children and say, we're going to cry out to Jesus. Before we go to bed, we're going to cry out to Jesus. Imagine what our churches would look like. Imagine our marriages, families, city, and nation, what it would look like if the people of God were truly on their knees praying. Imagine what this new year, 2020, and this new decade will look like if we truly take prayer seriously. Amen? Number three, make disciples. Look at someone say, "Make disciples." Now I know we hear this a lot. I, I know y'all hear a lot at. Uh, I know y'all hear a lot here. They they hear a lot back where I'm at. But let me tell you something. It, it, it's amazing on things that we know that we should be doing: reading the Bible, praying, and making disciples. How they're not happening. In family Matthew 28:19, where Jesus says, "Go and make disciples," it's a command. I tell people all the time because I hear people we want to say sin is alcohol, you know getting drunk, getting drunk that that is sin, getting wasted, you know obviously that's being drunk is sin, getting high, yes, those things adultery, yes, lying, yes, thievery, yes, but can I tell you something if you're not making disciples that's sin because God commanded us to make disciples, I know some of you are going, no, don't say that, some of the kids are probably nudging parent right now, hey. You're constantly hounding me on those sins he just lives, but I know you ain't making disciples. Like, are we making disciples? That was the command. It's why you're still alive and still breathing. When God is done using you to make disciples, family, He's taking you home. Like, I've already told my children, Daddy, we don't want you to die. It's going to be okay. When's that day coming when the Lord's done using me to make disciples? I get to go home and rest. Don't weep. I get to chill and rest for all eternity. Acts 1.8 Why does the Holy Spirit empower us? To be His witness. What does that mean? To make disciples. It's the whole reason why the Holy Spirit empowers you. It's not about you and so everyone can look at you. It's so that you can make much of Him. Amen? And cause people to look like Him. And in the, in the family discipleship is twofold. Number one, it's intentionally sharing Jesus to unbelievers. You can't tell me you're making disciples if you don't share the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. You can't tell me the people you're discipling are disciples if they're not sharing Jesus to unbelievers. Spurgeon says this listen to this. If sinners will be damned, in other words, there's no hope for that sinner, he's just destined for hell because, you know, the way he's living. At least let them leap to hell over our bodies. In other words, hey, if you're going to hell, you're going to have to jump over me. You're going to have to plow over me. Because I will not shut up. I will keep telling you about Jesus and why you need Him and why you need to turn from the way that you're heading. Because it's eternal. It's forever. There ain't no coming back from it. He goes on to say, and if they will perish... Let them perish with their arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. In other words, man, our arms are wrapped around their knees, their ankles, and they're like, What do you get off of me? I can't. You don't know where you're headed. Jesus, just say his name, turn to him. Like, what are we really doing to see those around us get saved? Like I challenge y'all, I challenge our our, our church this. I challenge y'all this new year and this new decade. Who are five people that you'll take responsibility for in the Bryan area to know Jesus? Imagine if everyone in here took responsibility for five people. I'll do everything they can to know Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, God will rock this city. And the number two on discipleship is intentionally equipping Christians. Like it's not just Pastor Jonathan's job to equip the saints. It's not just the elders or the deacons or the leadership of this church. All of you have been called to equip one another. Amen? And what are we to do? How do we equip? Matthew 28 tells us to observe. We're to teach people how to observe the commands of Jesus and follow Jesus. That's what we're teaching them to do. Don't make it complicated. We ain't trying to make them Baptist, Methodist. We don't care about all that. Do you know how to follow Jesus and serve Him well? That's what we want to help people to do. Amen? So I challenge you this new year, ask Pastor Jonathan, ask the leaders of this church, hey, I want to step up to the plate and make disciples. How can I do that? And I'd also tell you, start discipling your spouse and kids. Because I know Pastor Jonathan, he's like me. If I get somebody, hey, man, I want to make disciples. Are you discipling your own wife and kids? <laughs> I ain't got time for that. Well, they ain't letting you disciple anybody else in this church. <laughs> you ain't got time for your wife and kids? <laughs> You're The last thing I need is you to teach another husband in, in our church how to be lazy. I don't need that. Amen? Disciple those at your job. That is your mission field. Amen? Because I'll get some people who want to come in the church. Hey, I want to make t- are you discipling people at your job? No. Well, then why am I going to allow you to go after these people right here? Show me that you can disciple those around you first. Amen. And just think about that. Man, if all of us took discipleship seriously, I'm telling you, God will rock the city of Brian like the likes you've never seen before. Amen. Number four. Make much of Jesus. Look at someone and say, make much of Jesus. In other words, that means boasting of Jesus. And if you know the life of Paul, you've read the Bible. You have to read the Bible to know his life. And his epistles, he's always talking about he's boasted in Jesus. That's all he wants to do is boast in Jesus. He's telling people, don't boast in me. Don't boast in Apollos. Boast in Jesus. He made his life. About boasting in Jesus. Family, if you read the Bible, you cannot tell, you would never know his politics. You wouldn't know his opinions. You don't know his thoughts on the emperor or the government. The only thing you know is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Paul lived a life of boasting in Jesus and only Jesus. He was not concerned. That people have his politics or what they thought about his politics. He wasn't concerned about the emperor, the president, the American dream, sports team. Not saying nothing wrong. I'm, I'm a sports fan. But what you knew more about him was Jesus than whatever sports he believed, he liked or his opinion. Because if you have read on Paul, he's constantly saying, preach Christ what? Crucified and risen. That's what he preached. And family, can I tell you something? He was hated for it, persecuted for it, suffered for it. Would have people in the ministry abandon him for it. Abandon him because they're like, Paul, we need you to make much of this. No, I will make much of Jesus. Paul, you don't understand. We got to make much about how we got to be. Anti this president or pro this or no. I will make much of Jesus. We will keep it on Jesus. We will stay focused on Jesus. He is the one who gives life. Amen. And family. At the end of twenty twenty, at the end of this new decade, what will you be remembered as? Will people will say, "Hey, that brother, that sister boasted of Jesus." That's what we know. Or will it be well? They, they boasted of this Jesus as long as that Jesus could fit into their political box. Could fit into what they defined as theology. Not God's theology. Like, what would be said? What would be said, hey, they boasted of Jesus when we saw him Sunday at church. Is that what your children will say? But man, you should see my mom and dad when they leave church. <laughs> they ain't boasting about Jesus they complaining and griping about everything else but Jesus. Like, what will be said about us? And then the last point I want to hit on. Point five. Be quick to repent and run to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Look at someone and say, be quick to repent and run to Jesus. Some of the spouses are going, man, I have been longing to tell my spouse to repent. Thank you, Pastor Billy. But that was for you, not your spouse. Amen? So you can nudge the other spouse right back as they nudged you. David, who committed adultery, murder, says this in Psalms 32. Psalms 51 is not the only psalm he wrote about uh, repenting of that sin. Psalm 32, he says, Bless is the one whose transgression, transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Notice the word blessed again. Blessed if you read the word. Blessed if you're quick to what? Repent and run to Jesus. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Amen. Blessed is the one who God says, Ooh, My wrath is not coming for you. Because the blood of Jesus covers you. In whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Notice what he says. As he tried to keep silent about his sin, his body was just groaning and just rotting and falling apart. But when he went before the Lord Jesus and confessed and acknowledged what he had did and repented, noticed, he found what? Forgiveness. He found healing. Family in numbers 21, I was just reading this in the other day, and I was just like, "Wow, so man, in, in numbers 21, uh, if, if you've read numbers, you know, Moses is leading you know, one of the most stiff-necked, stubborn group of people ever. Like, no pastor prays for the ministry of Moses. And uh, like, we want the Red Sea, we just don't want comes after the Red Sea. And, and and Moses is leading his people. And in 21, man, they begin to rebel against God, it says, and Moses. And God is not happy. So he sends snakes to bite the people. And they start dying from the snake bites. And the people... Realize through this, man, we have sinned against God. And we've sinned against this anointed one, Moses. And so they confess their sin. They repent. And God tells Moses, I want you to build this, brown, this, this bronze serpent statue. Build it. And tell the people, every time they get bit by the snake, they are to look to the bronze serpent that I had you build. And if they'll look to it, they will find grace. They will find Mercy they will find healing and they will not die. And I love Spurgeon's commentary on this. And it'll pop up on the screen, but listen to what Spurgeon says about this. I have been seriously ill and sadly depressed. I fear I have rebelled. Therefore, I look anew to him. Amen? Amen. Family, I'm telling you one of the best things we can do for 2020 until the day God takes us home is to never take our eyes off of Jesus. Amen? It is a delightful thing that there should be a fountain open for sinners to wash in. Amen? That fountain is not for the outcast only. The gospel is not just for the lost. Amen? It is for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Him as well. We need it every day. It's for the citizens of Jerusalem for the house of David. Do we still sin? Yes. The Bible's clear if you say you're not a, if you don't sin, you're a liar and you don't know God. We do still sin, but the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. The bronze serpent healed me when I first saw the Lord. You see, family, we ain't no different from those stiff-necked, stubborn people of numbers. I mean, they're actually dumb, and we are too. We just rebel. We think we know better. And what happens? Hopefully, we come to our senses, and we realize, I better run back to Jesus. And that's what he's talking about here. He's like, man, I got to run to Jesus when I first kept my eyes on him that same Jesus will heal me. Because look, he goes on to say, and their serpent heals me tonight. So salvation is not just for when we first give our life to Christ. We need salvation every day. Amen? My family Bible says, we're walking out salvation until the day we die. Jesus is lifted up that the saints might not perish, but preserve in grace to everlasting life. I love it. In other words, it's just to sum up what Spurgeon was just saying. We need to learn how to be quick to repent and run to Jesus. Family, you know how that you're really starting to grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ? When you sin, what do you first do? Do you run to Jesus? Because you know what I'll do sometimes? Oh Lord, how can I be a preacher? How can I now pray with my kid tonight? How am I supposed to counsel this couple right now? Like, Lord, I'm so jacked up. And I can hear the Lord going, hey, hello. Have you forgot about my grace and mercy? Why don't you just confess and run to me? But you know what many of us do? We're like our first parents, Adam and Eve. We want to run and hide. We want to try to cover our own shame, our own guilt. And family, there's only one who can take that shame and guilt away. It ain't sports. It ain't the newest movie. It ain't your spouse. It ain't your children. It ain't the job. It ain't showing up Sunday at church. It's, Lord, I repent and I'm going to run to you. And family, our God ain't sitting there waiting to beat us up and slap us around. He's waiting to pour his grace and mercy. When Peter was sinking in the water and cried out, Jesus, save me, did he go, Nope, you have little faith. No, you know what he did? He saved him. Then he rebuked him and corrected him. He will do the same for us. If he started lecturing Peter, he would have drowned. And hallelujah, he ain't going to let us drown. Amen. He will rescue and save us. Family, when we find ourselves in sin, our flesh and the enemy will do everything to keep us in that sin or beat us up with condemnation. And I know there's people here right now you're battling with this. And I encourage and challenge you right now look to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Experience His grace every day of your life. Amen? So that as we close out 2 Timothy 4 so that we can look back on this new year and this new decade and whenever God calls us home. And we can say these words that Paul said. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. I don't know about you, but I want that crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all. Everyone say all. all. That word means all, just so you know in the Greek. Who have loved His appearing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.